All right, we are we're live. Not live. live. I'm just kidding. All right, welcome to Unadorned, a podcast hosted by me, Jeffrey, and myself, Caleb. Uh, in this podcast, we will uh, discuss topics regarding philosophy, um, various theories, and uh, basically anything that piques our interest in general. Um, but today's topic is the psychological influences of gaming. Um, video games. <laughs> yes, more, video games. More in specific. And phone games yeah. to some extent. But uh, it did surprise me. I was uh, doing some research and I didn't really think of phone games as video games before. But I guess the, the book that I read um, changed my mind. Uh, the book was Getting Gamers uh, by Stephen... Sorry, not by Stephen, by Jamie Madigan. Oh, is that the guy who like got really addicted and then turned his life around from video games, basically? I don't think so. Oh, he didn't okay. say anything about that. Okay, I, I was reading and I saw someone who was like very addicted and they they like noticed or like they changed their ways. But that's cool. Yeah. So I I wasn't sure what to expect, kind of diving into this topic because I was like. You know, you hear all these things like video games are bad or video games are good for you. And it's so so confusing, and a lot of times the consensus on the uh, general good or bad of video games is is either split one way or the other. And it really depends on who yeah. you are talking to, whether <laughs> awesome. they're a, a quote-unquote gamer or whether they're uh, the average Joe. And the average Joe is a smaller and smaller group as we're speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, and a big thing to know is just as everything is if you do it in moderation it's not a problem like you're not going to be suffering terrible consequences of well yeah that, that was games. like the thing um like in the 80s or whatever there people were like super worried that playing video games at all was gonna be detrimental or whatever all right hey wait what were we talking back to about? the podcast oh we were talking about how many people were how many people were considered gamers, correct? Um, not... I don't remember. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I, I think I was, I was rambling on about something. But, so, when researching this topic, I was curious of why video games are enticing and attractive, per se, to uh, young men, younger men in particular... Particular. I mean, we both are. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah and, and we must note that we are light gamers. Probably, I would say, definitely not. I don't know. I don't know about you, Jeff. I, I game like probably an hour a day, but I'm not. How how much do you actually game actively? Actively, ooh, okay. Um, probably half hour a day at most. Okay. But I do because I I work so. And weekends, I'll play a few hours, like two or three. Yeah. And depending if I'm going to hop on with some friends on a specific certain game, I'll play an hour or more during the week. So it it's not a lot, but it's not nothing. Yeah. And I do, I do enjoy games, but going back to why I enjoy games and some of the reasons I found is that there's some, there's two kind of similar line of thoughts here a, a scientist nick ye did a um research paper i don't think it was specified to video games but he did one on 
motivations of people in general, and he found that there are three motivations that uh, humans have, and that is achievement, social, and immersion, just in general for, I guess, doing stuff. And when you're breaking that down to video games, that makes a lot of sense, and it kind of lines up to why they are very um, attractive. So, I mean, if you are played video games or if you haven't you probably know that there are if you do a good action you get rewarded and if you don't you get a consequence that is more usually more yeah usually you don't get incentive de-incentivized yeah. that much usually you get better rewards than your consequences are worse yeah so like so like say it's an xp for example like for doing a good mm-hmm. action you might get like 100 xp but if you do a, a bad action or you make a mistake it might be like minus 10 xp or something or maybe even just a smaller amount and this this actually goes into something we'll talk about later about um more psychological um impacts on learning and more of the playing games like how it affects your brain which we'll talk about later the next aspect of the three is the social aspect which is very uh present in most games i mean there are plenty of offline games but especially now today's day and age a lot of them are online and with groups and the third one is immersion which is also makes a lot of sense because you're especially now with all the realistic graphics and realistic video games so yeah, that, there's like vr as well. yeah vr which is, if you've ever played it it's pretty insane how realistic and crazy that is and then there's also another few people who did some research into this richard ryan and edward D- dc i don't know how to say that last name and there's are the self-determination theory which is it's on the same lines and it is competence autonomy and relatedness so those three kind of play into that too and as always with pretty much everything in this today's world video games are a business and they want to sell to as many as they can so they will try to fulfill all the requirements to get a good game in a sense so also yeah it used to be as well speaking of money specifically it used to be that a lot of the games were like you buy the game straight up like you buy a disc it used to be like a, a cd well i guess it's not technically cd but it just goes in your disc drive on your computer and you boot your game off of that and that was your only purchase but now a lot of games are free to play and you just buy like meaningless things in game i mean some some are pay to win where you like you can join for free but you basically have to buy stuff to be any good at the game but a lot of games nowadays is you just are allowed to play it for free and then you can buy things in game if you desire to like just cosmetics like gun skins or um like player skins or titles or whatever you want or just like even like xp boosts which is kind of a meaningless thing as well it's just like unlocking in-game content it seems to be the thing that people one of the things that people really like about a game it like gives them a sense of accomplishment yeah yeah and that seems pretty common nowadays like Caleb was saying so there's definitely that whole aspect to consider but I don't think we're gonna get too into that 
Yeah, probably not. Uh, I mean, there is a lot to uh, lot to cover in general. Mm-hmm. But going back to the the social aspect that you'd mentioned, oh, I know I know a few people. I'm not gonna like mention any of them, but a lot of my friends they tend to play a game simply because other people they know are playing it, and it's a social experience more so than they like the game. I'm not really like that, but I, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of my friends are like that, and the social is a big influence on why they do game. Yeah, and there's also this aspect of um, having a different, uh, like an alter ego in a game per sense, and I think Caleb will touch on this a little bit later with the fact that you're um, behind a computer screen far away from someone else and all the other players, so you don't have that personal um, aspect of say a conversation and being uh considerate to the person or seeing their reaction or whatever that may be yeah like uh you're almost uh, being in a game if the game has a good enough immersion you basically become whoever you want to become and a lot of times that doesn't look pretty like i know like any of us who are who have actually played like multiple player online games you know that there's People are way more toxic in game than they would ever be in real life. Like you don't, you don't like in your day to day have people yelling and screaming at you and stuff. <laughs> Hopefully not, at least not but too much. It's re- It's when you take away someone's individuality by allowing them to just be anonymous. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but once you give people this kind of unnatural freedom that we've never really had the ability to be completely anonymous it it really allows you to see what human nature really is and what people are willing to do they, they just kind of switch their brains off and become whoever um they are deeper down maybe i don't know if oh that's, that, a, that's interesting so it's like a uh almost no filters or no no bars on there oh well, certainly certainly actions. fewer filters yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure there is still some. What other topics in this were you plan on touching on? So. Um, I don't know. I guess I would I would touch on another reason. I don't know if you mentioned this, but leisure. I feel like a lot of most people, I would say, just play video games for fun. They just kind of to chill out at the end of the day or whatever, just to it's something where your brain is still working which like i think i feel like humans actually want their brain to be working but sometimes they don't want it to be working in productive ways so this uh, video games is an awesome way to do that just to kind of switch off your brain from the real world and kind of de-stress by and still do something but maybe not like super meaningful or super uh yeah important yeah, sense. yeah, you're not going to be able to make a mistake in a video game that's going to cost you anything <laughs> in the real world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely see that aspect. It's funny, though, because sometimes for me, it's like video game is almost like having to do something still. So sometimes I'd rather like watch a YouTube <laughs> video or watch a movie or something instead of actually actively doing something. But that's that's more because I'm a little bit lazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that. I could I could understand that though like some of the like the streamers if you watch video game streamers on Twitch or whatever a lot of them seem to feel like since they they literally play video games for their job and it's an entertainment aspect that they're providing to people 
they can get burnt out by playing video games just because they feel like they have the obligation to do it and they have to do it every single day. Yeah, it no longer be- becomes uh, the grind. Yeah, it <laughs> no longer becomes leisure or fun. It's just like it's work basically in a sense. That that's interesting to be like, see. what do you do for leisure? <laughs> oh, I go out back and stack wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, not normally you wouldn't do that. It's like the opposite of, mm-hmm. of uh, what most people would say is that they have like their actual job <laughs> and then to de-stress from that, they play video games. But I guess if you play video games for your job, then you feel a lot more responsibility with how you perform in them maybe or the entertainment value or you just get mm-hmm. burnt out. Yeah. Yeah, and also, this is kind of a side tangent here, but um, I've heard, I didn't do any research into this, but for people who go pro with video games like uh, e-sports stuff or like competitive teams that when you get to a certain age say like I think it's 25 is when you start like decreasing with your peak of the uh, reaction time and like sensitivity towards the game as far as skill level you you kind of get out of that business but it takes so much to get into being such a pro player it's just, it seems like a destructive uh, thing to want to do, like becoming a professional gamer. As funny as that sounds, but it's true. So that's interesting to take note of that. Yeah, the, uh, I watch uh, competitive Valorant, so I keep up with a lot of that. And the ages of the players, I think like the youngest players are 16, since I think you have to be 16 to be allowed to play pro Valorant. Or, uh, it's either 16 or 14 or something like that. Um, I'll look it up later, but um, anyways, the oldest players are like in their in their thirties, like l- low thirties, mid thirties. <laughs> like uh, Hiko from Hundred Thieves, he's thirty one, and he's considered like the old guy on the team, which is pretty insane. Just, I, but I, yeah, like Jeff was saying, your reaction times, your brain just goes that many milliseconds slower, and even milliseconds matter when it's that level of competition which is more than i would ever be able to get into just because i play leisurely <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah all right now i'm gonna i'm gonna shift gears a little bit here so after we talked about why we game or why we would want to i'm gonna go to maybe the effects or consequences of playing video games so i i didn't do as much research as i would have liked and should have but I did do a little bit, and what I saw was, especially when younger people play video games or intake anything, uh, like children, that's when a lot of the uh, processing and brain pathways get built on teaching and learning, like language or anything, really. I mean, that's why we go to school when we're young, and that's why we learn all this stuff when we're children. Yeah, the brain is amazingly plastic when you're still young. I think I think that's what's called brain plasticity. Like, uh, your your brain can learn things so much faster and take in new information. Yeah, and and what I found is some of the things is when you're, uh, I don't know the exact age range, but when you're a younger child, you have because of this fact, you can if you play video games a lot and any if you do anything, it kind of uh, you learn this uh, these tendencies and it the way they said it is it kind of kind of rewrite your brain to like 
like I was saying, where you do a good thing in the video game and you get experience, which is good. Like the, so the a reward. rush. Yep, yeah. A reward, dopamine rush. And it's if you do not as well, you get less or maybe something poor, which is which that is highly effective in learning, like for children especially. I mean, it's for anyone really. But that uh, is kind of what the like teachers and stuff do in a sense as they teach and yeah i think i think um one thing the book um mentioned was that a lot of people tended to think that video games could cause violence simply because they had heard it from so many people and i guess when these big games are coming out like i don't know what the first um violent video game was to come out but or whatever people considered to be the first, like, one that's just enough violence and just enough, like, realism to be considered psychologically possibly damaging or whatever. But I guess when these were first coming out, people were very worried about it, and the the consensus kind of spread like wildfire that video games are causing violence. But, yeah, like I was saying before, the evidence isn't there yet. Here's an interesting thing that I just thought of, and I don't know... I'll, I'll give my opinion and Caleb will give his but in a sense could you use maybe say that video games <clears throat> could be a vice or a uh, maybe even a way to vent your aggression if you have aggression or do you think that would lead to a bad uh, more bad behavior like <laughs> <laughs> what are your opinions on that because I mean, me, my thinking is yeah it might be kind of good to like vent almost be like oh I'm going to go and you know shoot some virtual people and you know calm down or whatever i don't know that's that's an interesting or, or point, would it though. would it lead to like a regression of even worse things yeah because <laughs> there's one thing there's one thing where it's like i'm getting it out of my system but then you're still doing on it. the other <laughs> side of the coin you're exercising you're exercising those patterns at the same time so i'm not i'm not an expert at like anger venting so to speak mm. but yeah, that is that is an interesting question. I might I might look into that more. Yeah, something to something to think about at least. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe now we could touch on addiction. Yeah, I think I think that'd be pretty good. I don't have too much, but if I ever if I think of something while Caleb is talking, I will jut in. All right, I will try to go into <laughs> some sort of a spiel. <laughs> a spiel. Um. Okay. Uh, addiction. I feel like. Well, I don't feel this way. I think this way that a lot of association goes between like the gamer, so to speak, and like the antisocial person who is just like locked in their room and they're playing video games all the time. Like the the I assume most people would think of like the like the teenage guy and, and he has like all the lights off and he's he's like huddled in front of his screen or whatever. But I, I don't know. I feel like this is, like, super, super stereotyping. A and I don't even think it's realistic. I don't think I've ever met somebody like this. I guess it would be hard to meet them, though. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely think they're out there, and it is... It yeah, is I'm not saying this person doesn't exist, because usually if there is a stereotype, I mean, it's just a sum of all the different people. Like, there's the type... It's... Not necessarily one person reflects all the parts of the stereotype, but each part of the stereotype is rooted in some truth from someone who was a gamer sometime. But 
yeah, as far as addiction goes, it's interesting how games have become more addicting, especially mobile games. Like, uh, the games where you... It's, like, super fast-paced um, and super... I don't know. It's, like, super dopamine. Like, you get loads and loads of XP unnecessarily, and basically you're doing the same game. Um, I know I know some people who play... It's, like, this chicken game. Jeff, Jeff might be able to speak on it. Yeah, but I've played a little bit. It's Egg Inc. <laughs> egg Inc., yes. And you just... Basically, the point is to just get better and better, and you just keep getting rewarded and leveling up your things. And that's the point of the game, basically. Yeah. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but no, it's basically it's... the point of the game is to level up your things in-game. Yeah, and it, I would say it's definitely a time waster, but it can, it can be... Uh fun and amusing i guess yeah i i don't know it depends on who you are like if it if something is amusing to you yes everyone should have some some leisure point in their lives where they aren't being the productive them obviously we all know that this shouldn't be a majority of our time or at least i i would hope most of us wouldn't think that but it is healthy i i'm sure we could all agree to have some leisure and just because you don't agree with what someone else thinks of as leisure, I, it's really hard because I see people like spending their time in what I consider dumb ways. <laughs> but then I just think, well, I play Valorant for an hour every day. Why? Why am I knocking them? They just have a different sense of what's leisurely to them. Yeah. Another thing about the phone game addicted addictedness addictiveness is the fact that um, a lot of the games also on like PC and other video games in general have like loot boxes or uh, si systems in place where like you put if you get stuff in a game you can roll for a chance to get a cool item or yeah. a new character or a skin or something I don't know if you have any research on that because that's kind of like yeah. a little bit of I would say maybe not gambling, but it's like along those lines, chance and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of phone games have that in it. So actually, um, in the book Getting Gamers, it talked about a lot about what went into making video games addictive. And it's interesting. Like if you've ever played a game, you know, like, like a, a traditional game, there's sometimes a battle pass and what's pretty much the same across all battle passes is you it starts out with tiers that are super super easy to accomplish so it takes like basically no no time playing the game at all to unlock the earliest levels of the battle pass but then as you go on you get more and more challenging um things to unlock and they take more and more time and the reasoning it gave to this is because um the psychology of like a progress bar um if you think about it that way if you give someone a really a really a task that's going to take them a long time like a really time consuming task and you give them a massive progress bar um call it a full battle pass for for, for instance then they're gonna say they're gonna play a little bit they're gonna barely put a dent into it and then they're gonna say oh my goodness i'm never gonna finish this why am i even playing this game yeah i could definitely see that from a person just a casual gamer perspective it would be like daunting and unworth it in a sense 
Yes, but here's the here's the thing though, is that they the reason why they make the earliest levels so easy to get is to get you hooked on it so that you're accomplishing things you're guaranteed to accomplish things the first time you play and then you can accomplish things a little a little harder the next time and then before you know it you're halfway through the battle pass and mm -hmm. you're psychologically committed to be like oh i'm not just going to leave this battle pass unfinished yeah and and sometimes not not always is the case but like the battle passes will get better the more harder it is true yeah what would it and i guess that would seem to coincide with what you're saying because another incentive to keep playing yeah um one the psychological effect um that the book mentioned for this it, at least in part it's due to the z garnick effect which is basically your brain remembers to do it remembers things that you haven't accomplished better than things that you have accomplished so um I was talking to somebody earlier and they mentioned this might be why you remember um, you, a song gets stuck in your head if you don't know all the words better, which has been demonstrated. But I'm not sure if this is the same psychological principle as that. But basically, if there's like a nagging level or something that you haven't accomplished, you're going to remember that a lot more than all the levels that you passed easy peasy because mm -hmm. your brain is going to constantly be trying to figure it out um, even when you're sleeping or whatever. Yeah. Oh, another thing that I did think of just from general knowledge that I have is the fact of creating a habit and how that correlates to addictiveness on video games because a lot of the times these uh, free, to, free to play, which is, as it sounds, the ones that are free and then you can sometimes pay them or pay into them. Well, yeah, they're making money somehow. Yeah, yeah. they'll imp implement a system, say, for the first month, where if you log in every day, you will get certain rewards. And that coincides into that, making a habit of doing that. So then even when it, you're done with that, those rewards, you'll still log in or you're more likely to actually hop on the game just because you're used to doing that and maybe you'll get a reward. So that's definitely something to note. Another thing that the book um, gave for a reason for why things are why games can be addictive is that actual randomness is addictive in itself that's why you see people um, who who might look silly to a non-gambler just like playing at slot machines or whatever and if you're playing slot machines it's it's literally a random chance and you're playing against the odds but there's something about the human brain that actually likes randomization and they feel accomplished if they get something really rare. I can I definitely see so that. So you're constantly chasing what's what's rare. Like uh, it gave like an example, for, like a like a fishing game and you're fishing for um, like re a really rare kind of fish or loot or whatever it is. You're going to, if it's truly random, you're going to want to do it more and more in other than like if if the fish were just like randomly distributed and each one not randomly distributed sorry evenly distributed and you could just have an even chance of catching every single one if there's that one that's super rare you're going to constantly want to chase it and chase it and your brain kind of gets hooked on it it's the addictive nature of it do you want to jump into some of the stats of the addiction or got anything else to i actually don't say. have stats on oh, addiction oh you just have okay yeah, these are just general stats. General stats. Do you want to get into some general stats then? Because I'm, 
I like statistics. Very <laughs> fun. This is this is a ways into the episode to get into it, but I'm actually down. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's kind of on the same lines. It, I feel like it works in the end. All right. So this is from a an article that I found on PewResearch.org. Um, it's written by Anna Brown. Um, but and it's basically an article um, describing this study that was done by uh, Pew Research, and. I'll just uh, read off some of the things that caught my eyes on the chart. Um, basically, this chart, um, I'll put a link to it in the video description, in the episode description, rather. But uh, <laughs> it's like no video. Use the same video description. <laughs> uh, I'll put a link to it uh, just so you guys can check it out. But um, yeah, just list a chart here, and it's basically different demographics on people who often play video games or sometimes play video games. Um, and this is for this is surveys done on Americans, um, conducted between March 13 through 27 and April 4 through 18, 2017. So not like cutting edge data, but 2017 is recent enough that I can respect it. Yeah. Do you know how um, wide range it was, or does it not really say? I forget. I'm pretty okay. sure this was over 4,000 participants. Though. Okay, so that's a decent. Range. I'm not positive on that. Um, yeah, I can I can look into the survey and figure that out. But um, yeah, they seem to have a lot of data here, so I'm assuming it's a pretty yeah. pretty decently sized survey. Um, anyways, uh, the number of men who play video games either often or sometimes is forty seven percent, which seems about right to me. That's over all ages, forty seven percent, like a little less than half. It seems about right. Uh, women is thirty nine percent. Um, which seems, I don't know, that actually seems a little high for me just yeah, because I don't I was, know that's very was, many female gamers. <laughs> I agree. That's what I was thinking. I feel like it's, and I feel like especially the games are seemingly more targeted for the male audience just in whatever. And that's aspect. the, yeah, that's the stereotypical gamer as well. Yeah. Um, there's some information on race. Um, uh, ages were what really caught my interest um ages 18 through 29 60 percent say that either often or sometimes play video games um this includes mobile games as well so i feel like a lot of these a lot of these numbers are coming from mobile games um and then the the one that surprised me the most the 65 and olders nearly a quarter of them playing video games either often or sometimes 24% of people 65 or older. Yeah, that is that is a little surprising, but it makes sense because, I mean, my grandpa plays Solitaire on his computer, and in a sense, I guess ah, you can, I guess you can yeah. qualify that as a video game, and he, he is, I'm sure if I got him set up with uh, better stuff, he would play video games, but he, he's not very tech <laughs> savvy in, this, in the because he's older but yeah this article also mentioned that uh like strategy games so to speak were a, a huge favorite among like the older uh, the older generation like uh, the 65 and plus for example um that they were a huge uh makeup of the strategy games which i guess solitaire or sudoku or whatever you'd play on like that comes with the computer like in the in the os mm -hmm. in the operating system so to speak a lot of those games would kind of be considered strategy games oh and one thing to ask you just on the spot do you think that personal experience uh video games are addictive to you or like just in general and do you think it's a problem or not really a problem also 
I just want to hear your opinion. Uh, for me specifically, I would say that most video games are not addictive to me, but if I do find a game that I like, it can certainly become that way. Like, uh, for example, like if I'm playing Valorant a lot, I can definitely just get into the habit of it. And I think habit is one of the things that really makes an addiction. So since I have the habit, I wake up and then I play Valorant shortly after that kind of, I don't know if it is an addiction necessarily though, just because I'm, I guess I, maybe I should do like an experiment, do, go without it for however long. I went without it for a month and it didn't feel too bad. So yeah, I, uh, I guess, I guess I'm not too sure on what qualifies addiction in a, in a general sense though just not very much i don't do much research in that but what i for me i don't think video games are very addictive well some can be like i i like i'm not i'm not ever going to get into gambling because i'm the person who likes the <laughs> the chant the random chance and the ooh maybe this time i'll win sort of sense but yeah. for me if it's a more in-depth video game i get bored and burn out really easily like if i play i don't think i could play a certain video game for more than like four hours because i'll be like oh i'm done i can't yeah, i can't four hours is a long time well, to play anything no, no but there's people out there that do lots of out like they'll do an eight hour or like even for a, yeah a, like a job or they'll do a lot of video games and i think it, there's a decent amount of those people out there but for me like after a few hours, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this video game anymore. Yeah, <laughs> just just because of that. But I think there is some uh, definitely. See, I see some addiction in video games. Like, ooh, you just got to get the next level and next thing. Yeah, I do have that for like completing the battle pass or or whatever it may be, uh, or getting that that agent contract finished. Mm -hmm. Um, I do I do kind of make break it down like it's one of my life goals so to speak <laughs> and i like i like do the math on how long it's going to take and how much input and everything and i'm like very intentional about getting this thing done even though i i don't know maybe maybe it's my brain likes to likes that way of thinking even if it is for leisure like it likes to be intentional about about making a plan and going and yeah I could, I could definitely see that for you that definitely would be something yeah. that makes sense, and I'm and I'm sure different video games cater to different people and what they like. Cause I yeah, like for sure. I like the I like a good to do a good strategy. And <clears throat> all right, you want to get into the impulsive purchase since we were kind of on the lines of um, yeah, the, impulsive the uh, gambling aspect a little bit of the randomness. I think I feel like that ties in, and a lot of times the uh, battle passes and special things you have the normal one that's free and then you can get even better rewards if you pay what say 10 bucks for a battle pass this time yeah and one one thing that uh the book mentioned was that once they get you over a certain point like once you have it's different for every person but like once you have say a hundred dollars invested in a game or whatever it may be then you don't want to stop playing the game because consciously you're aware of how much you have invested and you you're like i put so much into this game <laughs> i put so much money or even so much time yeah like um or my account level is so high and i can't lose this prestige or this level <laughs> Rank, or whatever yeah. yeah 
and that is one thing that keeps a lot of people hooked is they just they they think they've reached the point of no return i mean they wouldn't say that most likely but it's kind of like the feeling that you get and that does i don't know if that would uh, go under impulsive spending but it kind of does yeah and I can see that. For me personally, I say when if, if it's a good deal or if it's not a lot of money, I'd be more inclined to yeah <laughs> buy it. Or if it's something that'll get you like cheap, but it gets you rewards for a while, it it seems way more enticing than a big purchase of let's say gems in a video game that you can buy one thing for. Oh, that was another thing the book uh, mentioned is that in game most most every single game you're not going to actually pay in u.s dollars or whatever your currency may be you're gonna convert your money into in-game money and it's gonna be like this weird conversion metric it's not gonna be like a one dollar equals 10 in-game dollars or whatever it's gonna be like hard to do the math for the games that do it well and that is just to take the psychology of it to another level like you don't feel there's like this dissociation like even between the one we all know um between like cash paying cash and paying with your card it doesn't feel like you're spending as much when you're paying with your card just because it's not like as physical and you don't literally see what's happening and it's even taking it to the next notch in game you're paying for the in-game currency online with your card most likely or whatever you use online and then you're not only doing that but they take it to the next level where you're paying for an in-game currency and then you're paying with that virtually (laughs) so it's basically that your money you never see your money physically going through this oh man i never even thought or like seen that that is actually really interesting and it it makes sense thinking of it now but i'm just like oh man i've i've been fooled (laughs) oh no they got me (laughs) in a sense that's funny and when people talk about it they usually the only thing in a game that you'll find that's like a concrete value is the battle pass standard amount is like $10 or maybe $15. And that's the only one that I've heard people talk about in dollars. Anything else that they buy in game, they're going to talk about, um, I'm spending radionite points or I'm spending gems, gems, or I'm spending V bucks or whatever it may be. Pardon, pardon my lack of video game knowledge of currencies. (laughs) I only play a handful of games, but and, and going along the lines with the credit card thing, if you have a credit card tied to it, it just makes it that much easier to go ahead and make a quick $1 or $2 purchase one time, and then, oh, it might lead to another time. Yeah. Or, oh, this new thing is limited edition. I need to get it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's more the impulsive part of it. Mm-hmm. And then also for impulsive spending, the, you're never going to have, if you're buying with a virtual currency, We'll call it gems uh, for Jeffrey's sake. Um, but <laughs> if you're if you're using gems, you're always going to be left with this random amount of change in gems. Like True. you're going to have like yeah. like three hundred and eleven gems left or something. Mm-hmm. And the thing you're you're going to want is going to cost a thousand gems. You'd be but then when you buy them, you're going to have to buy them amounts, in packs yeah. of ten thousand or something. Oh man, that's terrible. And the funny thing about those types of purchases is not in all cases but in some games you can you can get the same currency for just playing the game and grinding 
or you could um, buy them right then. Not all games are like that. Some games do have a specific currency that can only be bought, but some games yeah. have one that is kind of linked, which it's harder to get it in-game, but it's possible. So you could get stuff if you don't want to spend any money on that game, or yeah. you could there's actually people there's people who make money on yeah, the game sometimes I, that, like you can convert I, yeah. the other way your in-game currencies yeah, to I real think, money I think what they do is like they have an account and they I guess play it and then I don't know how they do it I think there's stuff well that, they collect resources in-game that other people want and then they'll pay them in-game money that can be converted back to real money for it that's interesting I I never really looked into that but I always I've heard of it and, and that would be like a huge psychological drive like if, if you like so, that oh, can kind of a game this, yeah obviously if you run the numbers you're going to be making like an insane amount less than minimum wage i assume <laughs> unless you unless found you have, like, some way to exploit this game 12 monitors 12 keyboards yeah. like, oh no R- literally running a lab of phones <laughs> and whatever but got like auto clickers or auto like programs yeah. running or something i wonder how easy is it to like make an ai to do something like that probably not very practical or easy uh it's harder these days but the book went into a story about there was this uh i forget the name of the college kid but he was just this college kid and he it was a while ago because he he made this thing i think it was a for a fishing game some game where you fish in game and you can convert your your in-game loot back to real money by selling it to people but he basically made this bot that could do everything for him and he just left it while he went to his classes or whatever and he actually made like 40 bucks or something just but then they uh they banned him they found out they're like <laughs> yeah. no you can't do that that's and it's easy. harder and harder nowadays because you're playing when you're trying mm-hmm. to cheat so to speak in game um you're playing against this software that's developed by like a whole team of people so i imagine cheating software is much harder to get past now yeah in a sense and to make oh yeah i guess you're right as as the technology increases also the both ends are going up in a sense yeah because that's a that's the temptation of like a game where you can get money out of it is you want to instantly make that um make that automated so that you don't have to actually do anything it's free money yeah so if you can write a program and boom easy exploit the system that way yeah one one advice uh that the the book gave for if you're uh, if you're insanely like if you're prone to impulsive purchase in game is to um actually freeze your credit card like in a in a block of ice just and the reason he gives is that uh you can get to it in case of emergency, but you have to. You're not going to be able to be impulsive about it because you're going to have to take it out and wait for all the time to thaw. Uh, it's similar to the Mark Rober video where he makes the the ice cream thing that goes in the freezer and clamps itself down. And to eat the ice cream, you have to let it sit out on the counter for 15 minutes or whatever oh, before. That's, cool. <laughs> that's funny. Well, a funny thing would be like sitting there with a block of. Um, ice and you're like trying to read your numbers through the ice like as it's clear ice or like, <laughs> like you need sitting, it right yeah, now like, oh no or like you're in the sink like having the hot water on you're like oh do, and you're thinking about your purchase like do i really need this is it worth the trouble yeah oh man and a credit card should be fine because um, it's just yeah. magnets right like oh i don't know especially with the chips nowadays that might 
who knows. Well, how does the chip operate? Is it magnets? Ooh, honestly, beats me. Maybe that's a thing we'll get into depth in a, yeah. different, in a different episode. But at um, the end of the day, we don't know that much about yes. credit cards. <laughs> honestly, we don't know that much about <laughs> a lot of things. So, but, but uh, that's uh, honestly a lot of what the podcast yes. is about. There you go. Learning, learning new things and enjoying the process. Yes, exploring and kind of just doing whatever. So. Uh, one of the things that I also want to talk about is the the benefits of video games too, and I did a little bit of research into this. So, uh, obviously, as the years go by, I mean, we're in 2021, and all the technology is way more advanced and way more crazy than it was in uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like 20 years ago is when they first really, I'd say, started coming out with a like the ramp up for the video games is when it kept coming up and. There is benefits, clear benefits from video games that I've seen. Um, a few articles and video go- videos will say that if you're playing, a lot of times your vision may not get better, but you will be more acute to see things and track things on just in general because you're used to it and you're you're focusing your eyes and you're you're having to do this for the video games. So your actual eyes don't get better, but your brain that's processing yes. the information. Yeah, it's does. more like you're you're uh, not a crutch, but you're uh, compensating and you're like re rewiring it. So like one of the things is that the you have a more uh, visual distinction in the grayscale, so you'll see uh. different shades better. And uh, with a lot of the video games, you'll also see the um, each like small objects better in clutter. So that could uh, kind of yeah. like, especially with the eye charts, it would seem like oh they they have better vision because they can see that better. But it could all it may not be like oh he's getting better eyesight, but he's better getting better at tracking it and um, discerning different colors from each other. So that was that was a neat thing to say. Ooh, look. <laughs> <laughs> Which it makes sense because in a lot of the competitive video games like first person shooters, you have to have good reaction time and you have to keep track of multiple things at the same time for a competitive shooter that's also a strategy like Valorant or CSGO and kind of like the multitasking thing. And along with the multitasking is you also have the tracking actual objects. You get, it's, they said like those average individual is probably three to four objects they can track at a time and be quite accurate where somebody who games is more like six or seven so you have that boosted uh tracking ability so that was that was interesting and and it's like oh look video games are kind of (laughs) good but as i said before anything in too and excessive can be bad i mean you could die from drinking too much water in a sense which (laughs) to go to the extreme yeah yeah. to go to the extreme so you don't want to be overboard with that and so that's that was pretty much most of the uh like the brain uh benefits but another world application benefit is especially nowadays because we have vr and all that stuff you have um a lot of these realistic training training simulators on vr that you can learn to fly a plane or oh yeah that's if you're in a um a s- stressful situation or job that you can get trained in 
in VR or like so or even soldiers in combat training even they did uh, back when video games were first starting they actually did a few they like licensed video game companies to make games for soldiers for like to make better teamwork and being able to clear buildings and have simulations that and hoping that they would uh that they would use that as like training and to get better teamwork which that's cool it, it said some of it was a success and some of it was like meh so so <laughs> yeah as with all experiments <laughs> yeah but well then you also have the different bad aspect of that is in the sense it's becoming super accessible for anyone to learn and it, it's making it less expensive and cheaper but you're also making it accessible to maybe somebody you don't want to let's say one of the examples is if they a, like the World Trade Center, somebody could have learned to fly a plane through a flight simulator that anyone can get yeah. online, and and they don't need like expensive training. So that that could be a negative, but in a lot of sense, it seems like it's quite um, good for all this application and training and um, stuff like that. Also, as far as the positives of video games. I don't know, I, I might be weird for thinking this, but just the the art, so to speak, that comes out of them, like... Oh, definitely. Uh, chess isn't a video game in itself, but um, recently it's been moved more and more online, and even when I lose at playing a game on, like, chess.com or whatever, I can, I can just look at the game, and if my opponent and I both played well, then you can... There's a sense of beauty in the game. If you don't play chess, then you probably don't understand. But <laughs> no, I, I you might be able to relate. Like if in like a sports example, if if somebody if like in sports, this football team that you like comes up with like this really immaculate fake play and it works out really well, then you can kind of see the beauty and art in that. I'll also say even like the more uh, <clears throat> visual and tangible aspect of like the coding and making the video games like that's all oh, that true it's all really cool and it make it takes teams of people to make most of these video games and you have a lot of things going into it and a lot of them can be really cool and um in depth and such a neat experience as, as far as that goes and definitely creating cool things as far as that so yeah like learning like i i've never really played league of legends but they say that playing it you have to learn like all the different characters and how well they can each play against the other ones so it's like this amazing complex immaculate study of this game that most people will never even <laughs> fully understand oh, the imagine the how immaculate and how um crazy it all is just like the how complicated something can be can be very enticing to people as well mm-hmm yeah, I definitely have to agree. Like, you could say, oh, I learned how to really well, really... Or, like, sometimes in games you build classes of things, and you yeah. say, oh, I built the best class of this thing, and it does such good damage or whatever. That's more like probably RPG-style video games where yeah, I'm not going to get... In. Well, I guess, it's like, role-playing, that's what it, RPG stands for, gaming. Yeah. But it's that covers a lot of to a lot of different types of video games, but... If you know it, you know it, and you don't, you don't, <laughs> in a sense, yeah. as far as that. So. There's also, like, the creativity aspect and, like, coming up with your own new ideas. And 
I guess as humans, we all like to have something that we have mastered. Like we like to say, I'm the this best is at something this, or I'm really I'm good the, at this. Yeah. This is something I've mastered and I've gained like so much more knowledge in this than most people. And, and we find like great satisfaction in mastering a skill in game, like, um, whatever skill it may be. Um, like mm -hmm. in Fortnite, if you're insane at building doing this one specific edit or whatever to <laughs> then it is something that we take pride in mm -hmm. almost yeah well kind of jumping off lines here i was also seeing in my research the fact that video games can be used to learn and teach and mm. i personally haven't seen very many or very good video games that do this and i kind of wish <laughs> there were more because that would be i mean i would enjoy hopping onto a video game and also like get it learning math Mathematics, mathematics or like physics like that would be so cool to me but we're just saying what they were saying is some of the challenges of that is you have these um components of what makes a good video game sellable like i was saying earlier the achievement social immersion and then you have the learning which i mean it can be fun and it can and it's good but if you focus too much on the learning you're you're losing out on the uh what makes the video game actually fun so it seems like it's hard to make a good mix of the two of those to make an enjoyable um, yeah. learning experience and kind of make a mesh. So I just wish there was more. Well, I don't. I guess I haven't even played a lot of learning games. Like they're not marketed. I guess they're not marketed very well. I don't no, even know. for sure not. Because like <laughs> you don't see it in it in the article I was talking about this was from way back so it's like where are they I want these I want these uh <laughs> these cool new video games that'll teach me things yeah most all of like the the educational games are gonna be like uh marketed for kids mm -hmm. oh, like, that it's also. gonna be like something really simple mm -hmm. it, I don't know you you and I both grew up in kind of the age where they were unbearably cheesy. <laughs> yeah and terrible. even like even as like the the eight-year-old kid or whatever you even then you recognized knew. the cheesy <laughs> level you know like oh boy <laughs> Yeah, but uh, may maybe the future has uh, brighter days in store for us. I don't know. I just hope so. You uh, more better <laughs> educational <laughs> games. Better that education. is the future. Yep. Well, I guess that kind of concludes, unless you have other things you want to talk about or mention. I don't know. I feel like we haven't done... We obviously haven't been comprehensive, but we have... Yeah done everything that we've done research for, for the most part. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, there's definitely things that... I mean, I would encourage you to go and make sure that some of this stuff is maybe fact check it or even look up things yourself to continue to uh, learn and find out or anything you're interested in. Um, I will say that this podcast is not a just video game podcast. It's just the topic, yeah. we, <laughs> just the topic we chose. And I'm sure in a different uh, episode, we will get into probably just video games that we enjoy and why we enjoy them. But it's... We're going to cover just a lot of things in general. Whatever we're interested in. It could be video games, maybe some media, maybe some philosophy, and all that good stuff. Yeah, the philosophy is uh, one thing that I'd like to get into. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So that'll be fun, and hopefully you enjoyed this episode. So this has been Unadorned, where we talk about whatever we feel like. Thank you for listening. All right. See we ya. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>